Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be. Uh, it's so good to be here uh, on the Thursday night, enjoying Christ with all you brothers and sisters. And um, we will continue in our ministry series regarding uh, the matter of uh, Genesis, and in specifically uh, in this week's uh, uh, um, subject is on the. Um, Offering of Isaac and on the God who gives life to the dead, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, according to the record in Genesis and Paul's word in Romans 4, Abraham Abraham had a twofold uh, knowledge of God. Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have appointed you a father of many nations. In the sight of God whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls the things not being as being. So here we have two matters. First, Abraham came to know God as the one who calls things not being as being. When it was humanly impossible for him to have a seed, God came in and called something into being. And he brought forth Isaac. What this reveals is that God is our unique source. So, Abraham came to know God in such a way. The second thing that this verse, Romans 4, uh, 17, reveals, after Isaac was brought forth, a number of years passed. And there... um, We see that Abraham uh, experienced God as the one who gives life to the dead. From this, we may see that God placed Abraham in a very uh, difficult situation. Genesis 22.2 clearly uh, states that God was asking Abraham to offer his beloved son back to him. So... From this, we can see that um, Abraham was really in a situation that seemingly it was very contradictory. It was very contradictory to what God had already given him. I mean, you think about it. God promised to give him a seed, and eventually, God gave him gave it to him at the age of ninety nine years old. Surely that was a very impossible human situation to bring forth a child at that age. But God came in and called something into being. And that was the producing of Isaac. But then a few years later, it seems like there's a contradiction here. Now he asks us, Abraham, to offer his son back to him by sacrificing him on the altar as a burnt offering. So... Um, from this, we can um, see that Abraham's faith was perfected, and eventually he believed God as the God of resurrection. So uh, tonight, um, there's a lot to say regarding this story in Genesis 22 regarding the offering up of Isaac as a burnt offering. But tonight, I would like to focus... um, both my speaking and even the reading and the outline, 
on the matter of offering Isaac as a burnt offering. And um, we have to be clear here that the scripture states that God was not asking for a sin offering. He was not asking for a trespass offering. He was not asking for a peace offering. But he was very specific, a burnt offering. So in the outline that you have there, we would like to see what is the significance of this burnt offering. And also, we will see why in Leviticus, the burnt offering is mentioned first. Of all the offerings, the burnt offering was the first one that was mentioned. So how about uh, together, uh, how about the sisters start us off and read the first set of verses there in Genesis 21. And then the brothers, Genesis 22. Ready? Go. Brothers, So here, these verses, I wanted to start off with these verses, because if you recall from last week's uh, uh, sharing, uh, the matter of the two, uh, the two sources for our living, um, you know, there in Genesis 21, 31, we see that Abraham, there in Genesis 21, the Lord gave uh, Isaac to Abraham. And uh, eventually, they were led to a place called Beersheba. And there at Beersheba, um, the Lord eventually there provided a well. And then he even asked, even not asked, but Abraham eventually planted a tamarisk tree. And there, Abraham called upon the name of El Olam. And uh, so, here we see that this is the way Isaac was raised up. Because, look at the verse 34. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines many days. So this is a period in which uh, Isaac was actually raised in Beersheba, enjoying such a life, such a living. So this reveals what? That Isaac's source of living made him a burnt offering for God's satisfaction. Ultimately, the proper source... Of living makes us Isaacs and will lead us to the new Jerusalem. But from this point, uh, we need to be impressed that the issue of living in Beersheba is that we would all become a burnt offering. So, we would like to maybe read uh, Roman numeral one now. And uh, how about, uh, let me see here. Let's go to uh, the little uh, one under uh, A and read the verses there together. Ready? Go. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father.
So from these verses, we can see how, you know, God eventually tested Abraham and instructed him to take his only son, Isaac, and offer him as a burnt offering. Now, um, the thing about these verses that I was very much impressed with was with how obedient Abraham and Isaac were in carrying out what God was asking them. In these verses, you don't have any element that there was any struggle between, first of all, between Abraham and God. There was this just following, just in a very normal way, Abraham was just carrying his son to this place. Even it's kind of interesting how Isaac, he noticed, where's the, where's the land that I'm, I am to sac- that you're going to sacrifice that? And Abraham just said, the Lord will provide. You know, what, a, what an answer to take care of Isaac, right? And eventually, it says there in verse 9, that they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Wow, there's no, again, no resistance from Isaac's side. We have to be impressed. The only way that Isaac could willingly offer himself up as a burnt offering is that his source was altogether a source at Beersheba, where he was doing what? He was enjoying the well, the living water. He was enjoying the tree of life, expressed as the tamarisk tree. He was enjoying there calling on the name of the eternal, mighty God, El Olam. Only when we have this kind of source will we be so willing to become a burnt offering. Therefore, that's why the scripture, you don't have any, you don't get the sense of any resistance. Any, like, almost turmoil. More than likely, I think, humanly, I think, inwardly, I think they must have had some turmoil. But you know what? Abraham was, again, his faith was being perfected. And he was... Again, experiencing God in another way that he had not experienced him before. And he was just trusting, I'm just going to believe in this one who is asking me to offer up my son. So, this is very impressive. Well, we need to define what is the meaning of this word, the burnt offering. And letter A, how about we all read it together? Um, with the burnt offering, there are two main matters that I wanted to highlight here. Number one, the first matter is that the burnt offering was presented to God and reduced to ashes so that a fragrance could ascend to God for his delight and satisfaction. This is why in Numbers 28.2, it says that the burnt offering says that the burnt offering as, uh, was actually God's food. 
let's think about it for a second here. Tonight we had, uh, is it a chicken pot pie? Is that what it is? A shepherd's pie? Okay. uh, Shepherd's pie. Chicken shepherd's pie. What would you, okay, there's like chicken pot pie. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know about you, but um, tonight's meal, did it satisfy you? Well, guess what? Um, There's only one meal that satisfies God, and that is the burnt offering. Right? We can say that God is hungry. (laughs) And of course, as we will continue to go into this outline, we will see that only Christ himself can satisfy the hunger deep within God. I want to repeat that. Only Christ can satisfy the deep hunger within God. Okay? The second thing is that the matter that the burnt offering solves a very fundamental and basic problem before God. Our basic problem to this very moment is, and if you want to write this, is that we are not for God. No one can stand before the Lord. Actually, no one can stand before the Lord's face and say, I am absolute for you, God. There is no one in this room, including myself, that can stand before the Lord's face and say, God, I am absolute for you. You remember Peter? What did he tell the Lord? If all these deny you, I will not deny you. Right? And what happened? He felt the test miserably, right? Utterly. And he denied the Lord three times. What does this reveal? That there's no one that can be absolute for God. Okay? The only way that we can be absolute for God or become a burnt offering to God is by identifying ourselves with Christ as the burnt offering and becoming one with him. Again, the only way that we can become a burnt offering for God's satisfaction is by us identifying ourselves with Christ and becoming one with Him. I'll say this much regarding this small point. It takes time. It takes time to identify ourselves with this Christ, with this burnt offering. But it's okay. It's not an overnight matter. But the more we are drinking at the well, the more we are enjoying Him, eventually we will grow to be one with Him. And thus, we will take Him as what? As our burnt offering. As the one that is absolute for God. And for God's satisfaction, okay? So in the next one, letter B, this is a very good uh, sentence that I hope uh, uh, you can, if you want to write in your notes, this is a definition of what a burnt offering should be, okay? So how about we read it together? And um, ready? The burnt offering typifies Christ, mainly in his redeeming man from sin. 
So, there's like a three-tier uh, part to this uh, sentence. The first one is that the burnt offering typifies Christ in His living a life that is perfect and absolute for God. So, how about, brothers, we read Leviticus 1.9. Ready? Then the priest shall burn the whole on the altar as a burnt offering, an offering by fire, a satisfying fragrance to God, to Jehovah. If you want to underline, you should underline a satisfying fragrance to Jehovah. And sisters, John 5.19, together. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Brothers, 5.30, John 5.30, I can do nothing from myself, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who me. Sisters, John 7.18, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of him who sent him, this one is true, and unrighteousness is not in and altogether, John eight twenty nine. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So here in these verses, the reason I wanted to read through them is because in 519, we see that the son can do nothing from himself except what? He sees the father doing. So I like here circling sees. I can do nothing for myself except what he sees. 5.30, I can do nothing for myself as I hear. You see that? What he saw, what he heard. 7.18, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of him who sent me, this one is true and unrighteousness is not in him. Here he brings in the matter of speaks. John eight twenty nine. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always what do the things that are pleasing to him. So, would you say just from this that our Lord Jesus was very absolute and for God's satisfaction? Everything he saw, everything he heard, everything he spoke, everything he did. He did not do anything from himself. So tonight, I hope we are impressed with such a one. With such a Christ who is a burnt offering to God for his satisfaction. And the only thing we can do is lay our hands on him. Identify ourselves with him as our burnt offering. And become one with him. Right? The next verse, Numbers 28.2, how about we read it together? Command the children of Israel. <coughs> so here, I just wanted to highlight this verse. This is related, again, Christ being the burnt offering uh, to satisfy God, being 
God's food. Only Christ as the burnt offering can satisfy the deep hunger within God. Okay? The verse says here, My offering, my food, for my offerings by fire are a satisfying fragrance to me. Right? And then the next verses is related to, if you come back to letter B, where it says, and for God, it says, the burnt offering typifies Christ. And then I'm going to skip a few words. It says, and in his being the life that enables God's people to have such a living. We have to see that it's only Christ as the burnt offering that enables us, God's people, to have such a living that is absolute for God. Okay? So the verses there, how about we read them, uh, brothers, 2 Corinthians 5.15, and then sisters, Romans 8.2. Ready, brothers? And he died for all. How about a start, let's start again. And he died for all that those who live may no longer Sisters? So these verses, I really enjoy them because you know what? Our Lord Jesus for sure died for our sins. But we have to see from this verse that he also died so that we may live to him. It's not just enough that he died for our sins. Now he's asking us to live to him. So how is this possible? Well... Praise the Lord that He came into our spirit, regenerated us with the divine life. And what came into us? Well, Romans 8.2 says that the law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. That means that there is this matter of the spirit, the law of the spirit of life is in us, operating To work this very Christ into us so that eventually we may become what he is. Right? And not live for ourselves. Right? Only by our union with the Lord, our union in life with the Lord, can we really become one with him. As we turn to the Lord... uh, As we drink Him, as we call on His name, as we're testifying of His life as the tamarisk tree, surely the Lord, His divine life, is working in us to reproduce His very life in us. And that brings us to number two. The proper church life produces what? Burnt offerings. Romans 12, 1 and 2. How about together? I exhort you, So here, as I stated already, we're here at Beersheba enjoying all that God in Christ is to us as the Spirit, right? We are enjoying Him. 
And uh, it's in the proper church life, God's place that He has chosen, that we can experience Him to such a degree so that we could and can become a burnt offering. And i just like to kind of share a little testimony about my experience regarding uh, Beersheba. Okay. Um, in 1997, I had this experience where uh, the Lord came into my life, and I started enjoying reading the Bible. And eventually, as I was enjoying His Word, this was on my own, completely on my own. Summer of 97, six months later, the Lord brings me to Beersheba. And I met some brothers. And uh, I remember with these brothers, we would meet over here at an address in South Congress in one of the cabins there. And every Thursday from 5.30 to about 7, if I recall right, we would be beside ourselves, enjoying the Lord as a spirit, praying over His Word, Enjoying. It was five of us. Even there was somebody that said that they could hear us in the apartments that were over there uh, nearby. And we were just enjoying, calling on his name, enjoying Christ as a tree of life. And that happened all through 1998 for a whole year. Faithfully, every week we were there enjoying Beersheba. Enjoying the church life. Eventually, um, the Lord came in and began to test me regarding two matters that were related to my future. And um, I remember that the Lord, very specifically, He wanted me to give myself to him. But there was these two personal matters that were in the way. And they both were related to my future. I remember the last day, December 31st, 1998, I was laying in my living room, laying out on the floor, on the carpet, looking up to the heavens. And I was just weeping before the Lord. And I said, Lord... Right now, I just call on your name. These two matters really were hurting me. They kind of caused a certain kind of suffering to my heart. And eventually, as I was calling on the name of the Lord, I don't know how long I called, but I felt asleep. And I went through New Year's. You know the way New Year's, everybody celebrates and bring in the New Year. I fell asleep. I woke up and like, what happened here? I woke up, and I felt like there was a new horizon that had just come upon me. And you know what? Uh, I can testify my life has not been the same since. I remember I gave myself, and I went, and uh, I moved to California. And I sought out to know the Lord more for two years at his Bible school. And there, I realized what had happened. I didn't know what had happened before. I just knew there was a difference now. 
And I can just tell you that during those two years, I only could say this much. Lord, I give you back everything that I have experienced from you. I give you everything. I give you my future. Often the Lord will often come to us. Our heart knows what we treasure. You know, our heart knows what we treasure. And if we are in the enjoyment of Christ, enjoying again, I want to make sure if we're enjoying the right source, the proper source, there may be a time when the Lord will come to your life and he will ask you to give what's closest to your heart back to him. You know why? Because God wants to be satisfied. God is hungry. Yes, the Lord Jesus is our burnt offering. He was the only one that was absolute for God. He's the only one that can satisfy God's need, satisfaction. But guess what? God, he wants to bring us, New Testament believers, into the same experience as Christ. But we can't do it in and by ourselves. We have to join ourselves to this one. We have to give him even our future. We have to give him everything. But this only happens when we turn to him, when we enjoy him in our spirit. And as we are enjoying him, his life enables us to live or to have such a living called the burnt offering. Right? So... Letter B says, like Abraham, we need to learn the lesson of offering to God what he has given to us. Romans 11.36 says, because out from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So here we just see a very basic but important principle in God's economy. All that God has given us, even what what he has wrought into us and through us, must eventually be offered back to him that we may live a life of faith, not holding on to anything, even even whatever is given by God, but relying only on him. This is the highest demand, right, from God. To give him back what he has given us. And just remember, this is no longer surely the Lord met my needs. But we have to now look at it from the different perspective. God has a need. God needs satisfaction. And praise the Lord that the only one that could satisfy him ultimately was Christ. But today we are here joined to him. He is in us, and we are in Him, so that we can enjoy Him, experience Him, and be one with Him with regards to the burnt offering to satisfy God's needs.